RadioInfluence.com. And hello, welcome to another edition of The Rock Stops Here. No BS, straight talk, what's going on, interviewing those that have made it or are still climbing that ladder, mostly in the sports world, hopefully a little more in the entertainment world. How did they make it to the top? What was the journey like? They're just like you and I. Maybe some have more money and are financially secure. Others are still climbing it. Others are retired. Uh, All kinds. And that's what I really like to do here. Now, luckily, fortunately, I have had Will, after today's podcast, back-to-back lovely, lovely young ladies that have been and are in the sports entertainment world sports reporting world, sports hosting world, digital, all that kind of jazz. Annie Sabo, she is fantastic. And she's about to announce a major gig during the college season uh, football here. But I can't say it yet until she officially announces it. But she and I met and had a really nice talk, and she's going to be coming up here. I'll tell you all about Annie Sabo. Very, very, very nice. My thanks also to Roxanne Wilder. If you're from the Tampa Bay area, I get asked so many times, what's Roxanne Wilder like? Well, have you talked to Roxanne? What's Roxanne doing these days? And so I got a lot of play last week from uh, those that know us from this area. So just tell, tell your friends, tell your, tell your relatives, tell people that don't live here. We, we want to grow this thing outside of the uh, Tampa Bay community and, you know, we'll do our best, but I'm bringing you the people that I know and running into, you know, and at times it is going to be a national name. Now, um, we're, we're in the dog days. We are in the dog days of summer and here in Florida, I, it feels to me like it is hotter than it's ever been before. And I do want to say here, before I go any uh, further, my condolences go out to the family of Mark Cook. Mark Cook was a sports writer, reporter for pewterreport.com, covered the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which he was a fan of. He grew up in the Plant City area, and he's a country boy. He's a southern boy. He was a Florida State just football fanatic and loved his Buccaneers. And then for the last decade or so got to cover his team. And, uh, he's just a good dude. He, he used to bust on me to try to get on my, I had a TV show where I would bring on guests and he kept he kept after me. And I was like, all right, you're on. Can you make it this, this week, whatever, whatever day it was. Okay. And then he started like, Oh, I don't know if I got my, a, a, a suit jacket, sport jacket. Oh, I don't know. You know, and texted me, dude, I got a lot of things going on. This is just one show, one segment, you know? And I even said like, come on, man, just, you know, do what you got to do. And maybe I was a little bit harsh, you know, now that I look back on it, he never took offense. You know, should I cut my beard? He had a beard, you know, red, red hair and a beard. And I don't know. I don't know. And then I put him on the first time that he was ever on TV. He passed away, by the way. That's why my condolences to, Mark Cook and his family. He was only 50 years old. And, um, you know, wow, 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 wow. But 
so anyway, I could go on and on about Mark Cook. But what I was going to say, the reason why I thought of that, I was going to put mention this later on in the podcast, is it was so hot. You know when you get in your car, and I was on my way, I was trying to beat the traffic, and then I was going to go to a library in Plant City and do a lot of my work. That way I don't have to get stuck from where I'm coming from in, you know, getting out of work traffic. And the library closes in Plant City at 4 p.m. Library closes at 4 p.m.? All right. Looks like maybe I'll go over to a Starbucks. Oh, our dining is not open. Only drive through. You got to be kidding me. So I went to some little like a kind of like a Marriott. Uh, a nice little it was clean i went in the lobby and or in there and just did my work and then i went over but when i left there now this is at the the it was six to eight was the viewing i got in my car at 5 45 p.m maybe 5 50 10 minutes to six it was, you know, when you get in, you look at your temperature gauge on what the temperature is outside, 115. I've never experienced that here in Florida. It doesn't get, you know, Arizona hot. I mean, the temperature wise. Plus, it was so humid. It's unbearable. And, you know, a lot of times it's always a couple of degrees, you know, warmer than it really is. But the most I've ever seen in my temperature is 102, 102 or 101. And I've had this car seven years, this Toyota now, which I'm looking at, you know, another story, but one fifteen, and it's like six, it's almost six o'clock in the evening. And then I drove over to that and uh, just, uh, and I just, uh, uh, all right, let's, let's look on a, uh, let's do, let's saw a little brighter note here. Let me start to tell you a little bit about my guest. And then I want to talk about her father. So anyway, Annie Sabo, I met her when she worked here in Tampa at WFLA Channel 8. She was the weekend sports anchor, weekday sports reporter. Uh, She worked with Dan Lucas, and she did a great job. And I had heard that she had come from Corpus Christi, Texas. And I remember there was something about a hockey. I mean, she probably never even covered hockey. and But she just seemed like really cool, like a nice girl, and did a great job. And she was, I believe, in Corpus Christi for like two years. This is right out of college. And then she goes to Channel 8 here in Tampa and does a great job. And then, boom, to Bally Sports in Minneapolis, in Minnesota, covering the Timberwolves and the Minnesota Twins, doing the pregame and the postgame shows, things like that, on the desk. On, just fantastic. And then, boom, she said, leaving. She's two years, two years, two years, because her fiancé is a golfer on the PGA tour and he can't be in Minnesota at this isn't conducive to practicing golf. You know what I'm saying? So she did what's best for her and her husband to be and her parents. Her dad is Chris Sabo. Remember Chris Sabo, the flat top, the glasses, the third baseman, the Cincinnati Reds hall of famer. This is his daughter, but she doesn't use that name. She's making her career on her own, and she's doing a great job. So we get into it. The ups and downs with the one, the only, the lovely and talented Annie Sabo. 
All right, what a setting. We are sitting here in uh, wherever you are in the United States. It's hot everywhere, but it is Hyde Park Village, and it's a beautiful setting with a beautiful young woman that is so successful in the broadcasting industry. And I'm just honored that Annie Sabo is doing the rock stops here. Annie, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. It's good to finally be back in the Tampa Bay area. I missed it so greatly over the past couple of years, and I'm finally back and feel like I'm back at home. There you go. There you go. Now, <laughs> let's let's go back a little bit. Now, very successful sportscaster, sports anchor, sports reporter, host. Uh, most recently, when would you start most recently? You were with Bally Sports in mm-hmm. beautiful, the Minneapolis area. Yep. And... When you left Tampa Bay to go there, oh, I had people, you know, everybody's congratulating you, but oh, you better get your winter coat out. Oh, my God. (laughs) And you've been living here and you were in Corpus Christi and blah, blah, blah. So what was that experience like? Number one, Mm -hmm. going and living in the Minneapolis area and also working in what you did for Bally Sports. Well, thank you for all the compliments off the bat. I didn't pay you to say that, so I appreciate that. Um, It was definitely a change. I mean, I grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio, so we did have winter. Not the same level of winter that people (laughs) deal with in the Minneapolis area. So uh, the cold definitely took some getting used to. Had to get some new coats, gloves, hats, scarves, the whole deal, new snow boots. Um, But we survived. Thank goodness. Uh, Probably one of the funniest stories that we have. My sister actually moved with me and I was like, are you sure you want to go? Oh, that's right. I think I did see that. How about that? That must have been nice, though, when you go somewhere new. It was so nice because obviously I'd never been to the state of Minnesota before taking this job. But I remember a couple of times it snowed so much that my car and I drive an SUV. My car got stuck in the snow several times. And so my sister and, out there, and I are out there in our PJs trying to shovel <laughs> my tire wheels out of the snow. And we were just beside ourselves because we couldn't get the car out. So I had to leave my car in the middle of the street. Granted, it was okay That's because it was blizzard-like conditions. But we got used to it. I don't think I like driving in the snow as much as I do. I mean, maybe in the rain here. I mean, right. I know you got to deal with that here in Florida. But no. Um, it was a great experience job wise. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I, I couldn't have asked for anything greater. The people there were cream of the crop, talented from behind the scenes people to the analysts that I worked with uh, covering the Timberwolves and the Minnesota Twins. So just getting to do basketball as well as baseball, especially this season, because last year was so wacky with the pandemic. Right. But this year. It was awesome, and I looked forward to going to work every single day. It was so much fun doing the 30-minute pre-game shows and 30-minute post-game shows, following basketball and baseball games. And uh, unfortunately, just my my future husband's job forced me kind of to move back here to the Tampa Bay area, but it was just such a wonderful job, and I will remember it fondly for a very, very long time. Well, you did. I, I could tell, you know, it's funny. Sometimes it's funny. I just did a podcast with the Roxanne Wilder. She had been in the uh, TV personality and stuff in, in the Tampa Bay area. And she was like, you know, it's so funny. She, she's got two little ones now. She mm-hmm. waited until she was older, until she had kids. And she's like, here's what I post. 
so great with my kid and here's how life really is ah, I'm going crazy <laughs> and so sometimes you really can't get a feel of what people are always just posting everything that's great highlight but, reel but it seemed like you really did love working there and doing the Timberwolves and doing the uh, Minnesota Twins so really it's true you really really it, love it's it. true yeah, yeah. it's okay. true I think okay. in, in jobs that I've had in the past. It wasn't always true. Of course, Instagram is a highlight reel, but I can honestly say that everything that I portrayed on my social media channels in Minneapolis was true. I was so happy and it was a great work-life balance for me. Unfortunately, just didn't get to come to Tampa as much as I would have liked sure. to visit uh, my, my fiance and my family. But hey, you win some, you lose some. It was a great experience and I wouldn't trade it for the world. Now, you... What I really like is like if you grow up a daughter or a son of someone that was successful, whether it's entertainment or sports, yeah, you might be able to use that name to get going. But then as you get going, you have to step up and perform. And your dad, Chris Sabo, Spuds, uh, was a Cincinnati Reds legend. He's in the Hall of Fame, and, you know, he's just well-loved. He had the flat top. He still has the flat top? Still does. Flat top <laughs> and the glasses. If you're a baseball fan, a little bit older, like my age, you know, you remember Chris Sabo. But you didn't use that name to try to get ahead in the sports field, did you? I did not, no. I mean, um, I'm getting married soon, and I'm going to keep – my last name of Sabo for broadcasting sure. ventures right. because I feel like I've be built up a certain reputation, right. but no, I mean, I think maybe my last name would go a bit farther in Cincinnati, but yeah. when you move to the middle of nowhere, Texas, and then come to Tampa Bay and then go to Minneapolis, no one necessarily knows my last name as being tied to my dad. So no, I've never really used it. I mean, granted, I am so proud to be my dad's daughter and everything that he accomplished is just so amazing and his his career has definitely inspired my work ethic and what I wanted to do in life and pursuing this choice of work but no I've never really used it because I don't know I feel like maybe an older generation would recognize my last name a right. bit more maybe right. in the midwest than, right. than my generation but no I've never used it although um I'm very proud when I get asked if I am Chris Sabo's daughter because I that's say awesome. yes. Yeah. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. Like Todd Callis, who worked for years in the Tampa Bay area, mm -hmm. and he was doing just pregame and postgame, and his dad was Harry Callis. I mean, Hall of Fame voice. He never, he wanted to have his own path. Mm -hmm. Never used it. So I really, I, I, I give you credit for that. Growing up, so you were a good tennis player. Yeah. I understand. And I was reading that like you had a scholarship to Dayton, mm -hmm. could have gone there, but you chose the University of Michigan. And by the way, your dad was unbelievable there, College yeah. World Series and all that. Uh, what was it? Was it like you were done with tennis mm -hmm. or I want to be a sports fan? This is what I want to do. So no. Well, what was it? It was a tough decision because I always grew up so sporty. I think I was better at soccer than I was at really? tennis. However, I got too many concussions, so I had to switch routes. And so went the tennis, went the non-contact tennis route. I just think at the end of the day, yes, did I want to be a college athlete and say, you know, I could play at the Division One level at the University of Dayton, of course. But right. being on the road every single week and traveling for college tennis yeah, it would have been great and I would have loved it. But at the same time, I don't think I would have been able to pursue the broadcasting career as hard as I would have liked to do it. I mean, if I do everything, it's 110%. It's not 50-50. So I just felt like I had to give everything to broadcasting because there was no chance 
I was going to be a professional tennis player. Although that would have been awesome too. If you would have asked me when I was nine years old what I wanted to be, I would have, I would have said I wanted to be the next Mia Hamm and been a professional sure. soccer player. But unfortunately, that just didn't didn't work out for me. But the TV broadcasting route uh, is working out. Job by job. Sure, no, sure, no, sure is. I mean, you had it really, when you look at it, man, I mean, you're two years, boom, two years, boom. I mean, it's it, it, it's impressive. Okay, so in the broadcasting business, you usually got to start out in a smaller market. <laughs> you started in Corpus Christi, Texas. What was that like? Honestly, what was that like? You know, um, it was <laughs> a very small town. Very small. And by very small, I mean that there wasn't even a Panera Bread Real. in town. It was crazy. Really, really. But yes. some of the most authentic tacos I've ever had in my life. Mexican food was off the charts. Nice. Um, it was nice. definitely a learning experience and moving to the middle of nowhere, not knowing a soul in the state. Granted, I knew from Michigan that I wanted to never do winter again. So that's why I decided to move to Corpus Christi, Texas. And I there was see. a beach. South Padre Island was nice. awesome. So I got to do that whenever I was off. But it was definitely a grind. I started doing the morning news show Monday through Friday and then on Fridays, I would do the morning show from 5 a.m. to 7 a.m., go home, sleep, and then do live shots for high school football on Friday nights ah, because go. I wanted to do sports as well. And they said, you know, I we don't see. have a position open. So I just knew I wanted to do sports. And so I would do anything to get some reps doing sports so I eventually could get to Tampa. I didn't know it at the time, but right, um, right. it was a learning experience. But I mean, some of the friends that I made there I still talk to That's to this awesome. day and awesome. a couple of girls that I worked with are now off to national sports endeavors of their own so I guess Corpus Christi is a, a breeding market for female sports talent nice <laughs> nice so from Corpus Christi you end up at News Channel 8 WFLA in Tampa Bay how did that come about what was that experience like for you it was a different experience. I've gotten all these jobs completely on my own. So shout out to Dan Lucas, who I know is very popular in the area. I actually couldn't find the email address for the news director at WFLA. And so I had reached out to Dan Lucas, who is still there, has been there forever, a legend at WFLA in the sports department. I messaged him on Twitter and I said, hey, do you have an email for your sports director, your news director, I want to send them my reel and my resume. And he responded and he said, funny that you mentioned that because the guy who currently works with me is on his way out. Oh my God. And Timing I was is like, everything. yes. Is everything. And so um, he gave me the email addresses, uh, sent the news director at the time, who's no longer there, yeah. an email. He said, basically no. And I said, okay, no problem. But I still decided to go there and show up and show Dan for a day. Did you really? Yeah. I love these stories. So um, then I had, you know, a couple minutes to speak to the news director nice. and nice. he gave me another chance to come back um, for an official interview after basically telling me no or not interested That's the first awesome. time. And it ended up working out and I was so happy there and it was a great experience. Got to go to the Olympics, got to do all the things and meet so many great people here covering Tampa Bay sports. And it was um, awesome. I loved the two years there, but yeah, it initially started with a Twitter message and the news director 
my boss at the time telling me no, but I decided to go anyway. <laughs> That's awesome. Awesome. Pyeongchang. Pyeongchang. Yeah. Uh, what's the experience like? It's funny. Everybody thinks, oh, you're able to be at all these events. No, they usually like is a media workroom and things. But also, it's kind of, isn't it kind of cool where people are from all over the world? What was that experience like being there in China? It was awesome. Yes. We didn't get to experience all the sports right. like a normal fan would. Obviously, I had to work the evening shift back here in the U.S., which was the morning shift in South Korea. So we would work I see. 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. Korea time, I which see. was late night here or six about 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. here American time. So I was basically working, doing those live shots and turning a story for the next day. So it was, you know, 17, 18 hour days wow. over there. But when we did get a break, I got to see the gold medal hockey game between the U.S. women and Canada where the U.S. women won a gold medal. And it was awesome. I was there for that. So that was just unreal to be there in person and to watch. Yeah. And yes, yeah, seeing everyone from so many different countries, obviously with the Koreans, a la- there was a language barrier and I didn't really learn that many that much Korean. But seeing the people from Europe who could speak English. I mean, we took buses everywhere, and I remember I couldn't speak to the bus driver in Korean, obviously, (laughs) so I kind of teamed up with a guy from Germany who could speak English, and we pulled out our maps, and we were trying to communicate something to the bus driver to take us somewhere else because we think he was lost, and so it was just really fun bonding with people from other countries, but then again, you just never felt so proud to be from the United States. Isn't that awesome? Mm -hmm. And you having experienced that, I'm sure, just coming off the Olympics, even if you just like, wow, you know what I mean? You have a different... Oh, I watched all of the Olympics. I love that. Summer, personally, is my favorite just for all the sports, but yeah. The Winter Olympics, being able to experience that and seeing, you know, all the slopes, ski slopes and, and mountains up in the mountain region in South Korea was so cool. And it's it's something that I'll not forget for the rest of my life. And I would do it again. That's awesome. Now, here I asked this to Roxanne. Okay. Thank God, I finally have two females on. Oh, my <laughs> God. The audience is getting tired of males. But is it was it hard? Has it been hard at all being an attractive female in a male sport, you're covering guys, they're young, they're, they got money, they've been some, you know, they've always right. been the man. What has that been like? Have you experienced that? Have you had to deal with that? I feel like everyone's had a different experience. And my experience, I think, stems from a lot how I was raised and how I grew up. Being a woman in any field, I never felt like I was at a disadvantage because my dad grew up in a very humble household, uh, not a lot. And he kind of in the inner city of Detroit and kind of beat all the odds to overcome his circumstances to make his career. And so I've kind of related to that and always felt that I could accomplish whatever I wanted to accomplish. Granted, that comes with some hurdles being a woman in the industry. Uh, you got to prove that you know what you're talking about and you're not just a pretty face to, uh, to fill up airtime on TV. But um, I've never felt like I was at a disadvantage for being a woman's sports. I never have. I mean, I know everyone else has their own experiences and maybe other women have had different challenges that I have had, but I've loved it. I don't feel any different than anyone else. Maybe that's just my attitude in life. Um, but I just think it's all about proving yourself. I feel like once you prove yourself that you know what you're talking about, especially when I was covering the Bucks, if I could ask an intelligent question and they right. knew that I actually knew what I was talking about, right. 
the guys trust you and maybe don't treat you uh, like you have no idea what you're talking about and write you off right away. Right. So I think that's always been really important for me. Um, what about like, play? I'm saying you're, you're young, you cover players that are young, they're guys, you're attractive. I'm sure. Have you had to deal with that? Like guys trying to hit on you and you're, you're here for a job. I, I'm sure you probably yeah. have. I mean, uh, of course. And I feel like every, every female in sports has, but I think what I've always kind of played out in my mind is that if a certain thing were to come out in the media or, you know, you're covering a certain team and dating a certain player, I just never wanted that to ever tarnish my reputation. And I felt like that could be a knock on me in the future of people or right. potential bosses taking me seriously. So um, I never pursued any of those opportunities, I guess, that I could have pursued or, or dates or, or whatever you want to call it. But uh -huh. I know women that have, and I don't think there's any thing wrong with that it's just you got to make sure that it's not gonna affect anything in your career if you want to stick with this career and keep moving further and further up the ladder mm -hmm. how about with social media and being a a, a female and a young attractive female do you what's that like i mean do, do you get at times or some people over the limit when they hit you up or no <laughs> i feel like social media I am not the expert on social media. I wish I was, but I feel like it definitely gives some females in this industry who have a bigger following a leg up in the sports world because they're more well-known in the social media world. Mm -hmm. Granted, I'm not sure if that works all the time. I'm still right. kind of learning this social media stuff so as we I. go. We all are, man. Oh. Uh, I wish I could tell you everything, and I still feel like... I am a millennial and should know everything about social media, but I do not. I actually love that. But I mean, in the case of getting my job in WFLA, social media aided in getting me a job. So I definitely think there's a lot of of good that comes from social media. But in my opinion, I think social media is very overrated. And I thought life was very, it was much simpler and far more enjoyable without social media. I know that's an unpopular opinion no, and I know yeah, a lot of yeah, people yeah. have made careers on social media. Great. That's great for them. But yeah. I am just Look at the YouTube. Look at Logan Paul and Right, uh, all the YouTube people. Jake I mean, Paul. I get it. And I think that's awesome that those people have done that. I just I prefer a world without social media. But you were I born understand. at the wrong time. I know. Period, I, I mean, granted, you know? I get it and you have to be I'm on like, it. I mean, I don't have a Facebook anymore, so I don't have that. I know I got rid of that. So I'm, I'm trying to be more present and stay off my phone because that's my biggest pet peeve in life. If I'm out to dinner with someone and you're on your phone, uh-uh. I love nope. that. That is, that is awesome. All right. <laughs> so in closing, and, and so I know you're going to be doing some things, but we'll, mm -hmm. we'll wait on that. Maybe when this plays, I'll be able to just, you know, <laughs> let everybody know what yeah. you're doing now. But no, okay, so your husband is... He's professional a, golfer. All right, I didn't know yep. you wanted to say it or not. Okay, so there you go. So, and you're back here in the Tampa Bay area. Is there any advice that you have? Maybe we have dads, uncles, mm -hmm. grandfathers that have daughters yeah. that want to be in this business or something similar. Is there any advice, Annie, that you would have? Well, I think everything would encompass another hour of this show, but I think the biggest thing that I have learned is that so many people are going to doubt you in this business and say that you're not good enough and you're going to be rejected a hundred more times that in comparison to people telling you you're great, we love you. I just think that the biggest thing I can say is that no matter who tells you you're not good enough or you don't have the ability to accomplish this job at the regional level, this job at the national level, I just think that you always have to 
have a belief in yourself and your abilities. And although, yeah, it sucks sometimes when someone tells you that you, you stink and you don't have the talent to get somewhere. But at the end of the day, you got to still believe in yourself. And I think that's something that I have always done, despite being told a million and five times that I'm not good enough and that I could never reach the level that I was at Valley Sports North in Minneapolis and 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 beyond, um, which I can release in a couple of weeks. But I just think that if you don't believe in yourself, then no one else is in this industry. And you got to I know it's cliche, but you really have to have a tough skin and uh, just got to be able to really work hard and give up holidays and weekends and work for not a lot of money. But just looking big picture I truly believe in this industry. If you work hard enough and you believe in yourself, then you can accomplish anything that you want to. Mic drop. Annie <laughs> Sable, thank you very, very much. And of to course. you and your husband, all the best. Thank you so much. You know, I'm right around the same age as her dad. And uh, it's so funny, you know, when I was talking to her, you realize like, wow, she is so young, you know, and just starting out really in life. And I wish her and her husband to be all the joy in the world. I hope they have a great, 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 great life. And I don't think that, well, she's not done in this business. Uh, she does have a new gig and until she officially can say it. So I can't say it here. I haven't seen it posted yet, but I'll let you know. I'll keep you updated. So you, you'll, you'll see her out uh, nationally. You'll be able to, you'll, you'll be able to see her anyway. So her dad is Chris Sable. And I started thinking back, like I've been in this business so long. And one of my highlights, the highlights for me were, yes, I was 18 years at this Bay News 9 and did a live TV, live call-in show on TV with no delay system. I mention it now. I never used to say that then because you get some crank callers. No delay system. Oh, and we've had a few over the years. Every time we got a crank caller, like somebody tries to crank and he gets on the air, you dump him. And then we had one producer that he was relentless, man. Caller ID. He would he would hound that person. It was always a guy, usually somebody younger, giggling, and, you know, young guy do, does the prank calling. In the four, 14 years that I did a live call-in TV show, half hour, at times hour, mostly a half hour, we never had a female prank call us. Why is that? Girls can't be bothered. Girls don't want waste. Women don't waste time doing prank calls. Do you know, do, do, do you know that? Never, never had a female prank call us. So anyway, but going back, but, so that was a highlight, you know, being every night at 11 o'clock and you got to be at your best and you're live and you're taking live calls on the air. Yeah. You're bringing on a guest. You got to meet them as they come to the front door, make sure they're okay. You got to make sure, you know, everybody, you know, the whole show it's half hour. It's not like you, you see these sports casts now. They're like two minutes, three minutes, you know, no, a minute, minute 25. No. So that was great. The overall, that was, that was, that was a great experience and it provided a good life for me. The other highlights was when I was at FNN. It was called Financial News Network. Do you remember FNN on weekdays? Then weekends, it was FNN Sports or FNN Score. And I was the East Coast reporter. I covered everything from New York. No, it was really the Rocky Mountains to New York. Any big events, World Series, Super Bowls, uh, 
you know, playoffs, championships, uh, Hall, Hall of Fame, all that kind of thing. Lots, a lot of stuff happened out of New York. I was living in Jersey and just hopped all over. I would always go to either the Knicks, Nets, Giants, Jets, Islanders, Rangers, Devils games. And pregame, I would do four packages. I'd bang them out real quick. They'd be about a package is a little story. I'd bang them out. That's why I got learned to do stuff fast. I'd bang them out right before the game because I only had my photographer for a certain amount of time. I didn't have him for the whole game, stay for the game if we don't get an interview. So I would bang it out real quick. And I loved it. I got to travel. I would just go on by my own, get a rental car, you know, fly in wherever, meet my camera guy. I would I would have to I would have to find him every trip I would go. I would have to call. Like say I'm going to Cincinnati, for example. I would start calling the sports directors of the TV stations. Hey, man, do you know anybody who wants a freelance? How much? 400, 400, 450. It's going to be like two hours, hour. No problem. Never had a problem getting a photographer. Guys like to freelance. Some guys would use their own gear. Some guys would have to, would even say, oh, man, 400 is worth it. It's going to cost me 200 to make it. We're talking a long time ago now. 1990, you know, that long ago. Uh, so anyway, so I love that where I would get to do big events, go to different cities, go to Wrigley field, you know, go to San Francisco, go, I even went to a couple of West coast trips as well. But my point is when I was going to interview Annie Sabo and I'm like, all right, Chris Sabo, her dad, I remember when he played back when, when, when I wonder now I got to cover the National League Championship Series. It was this, and it was the final game of that series. It was the Cincinnati Reds and the, I, was it the San Francisco Giants? I, for some reason, Leland is popping into my head. But all I know is Lou Pinello, it was the Nasty Boys, it was Dibble, it was uh, Norm Charlton, I believe. And it was 1990, and the Cincinnati Reds won it. It was at Riverfront Stadium. I was at the game. Now that was one of those where it wasn't just a, it wasn't a pregame. I had to stay till the final, and then do a story, do a lot of interviews, send those back. Los Angeles was our main uh, hub, even though FNN was New York for news, sports on weekends. Everything was out of LA. So anyway, so I covered it, and it was great. And I remember, no, it might have, yeah, I, uh, they're all blending together. I remember doing the Cubs, but I, I just remember being at Riverfront Stadium, Cincinnati Reds, they win it, they're going to the World Series, and I am recording on a little notepad with a microphone doing my voice track at home plate. There's still milling going on of some celebration and stuff. A lot of the fans had left. And I remember being right at home plate at Riverfront Stadium with my notepad bending down. I was actually probably on one knee and I had the microphone and it was in the camera recorder and I was recording my voice track right at home plate. And that was 1990 Cincinnati Reds. And then when I looked it up, I'm like, Sabo was on death for Sabo was there. Now I don't remember interviewing him. And again, I was a young reporter, but what I, what I mentioned there to Annie, what I think is cool is, you know, if she were to use the Sabo name in maybe Detroit, 
Cincinnati. Oh, my God. In Cincinnati, like in that market. Come on. She probably would be able to, you know, easily get a gig and this and that. She doesn't do that. She does not use her name. And she, she said right there, anyone that ever finds out, I'm very honored to be the daughter of Chris Sabo. And uh, I just think it's really, really cool. I think it's cool that she's, she's making it on her own. So my thanks to Annie Sabo. And uh, Spuds is still in baseball. He is coaching. I think he's still at the University of Akron. And they live in Sarasota. And that's where she came up. We met at a nice little spot in Tampa. And it was, it wasn't too bad. I mean, it's high. And I said, it's not TV. There's no camera. It's just two microphones and me. And she said, okay. And I'm in Sarasota right now. And, you know, and I can meet you at blah, blah, blah. Okay. Blah, blah, blah. Are you sure that's a long drive? No. And it all worked out. So it all worked out. So thank you, Annie Sable. All right. What else we got going on? We are in the heart, the heat of NFL training camps. We're starting to see these races now in Major League Baseball. Do you notice that? Here in Tampa Bay, the Tampa Bay Rays are still on top. It really is amazing. It really is amazing. It's amazing. On the injuries, the lack of pitching, people do not go to the ballpark. They just don't. This story has been going on and on and on and on and on. They don't go. Period. I'm not going to, I'm not sure coding it. Um, I won't be surprised if down the road this team is not in Tampa Bay and I don't see the half season here, half season in Montreal working. I For the ownership, I could see them liking it. You know, you play April and May when you can sit outside and it's nice. And where is this new ballpark going to come from? Nobody, the, where's the money? Rays don't want to foot the big bill, so where's it? Where's it coming? And then Montreal, they really going to build a new stadium for a half season team? I, you know, it makes sense on paper a little bit if you like. All right, April, May outside, beautiful. Let's let's get if if pipe dream. Here we go again. If we have just some. Somebody comes through with a lot of money. Who? Where? When is that happening? And we can build it. Maybe we build it on a wall or something like that. They still don't. They're, they're no further along. So I'm not going to go. But my point is the Rays continue to win. The Lightning are back to back. And now we're getting ready for opening night. Dallas Cowboys in Tampa. Sold out Raymond James Stadium. The place is going to be electric. And it's going to be one hell of a football season. Now, something I wanted to bring up and I wanted to ask you, and have you noticed this? College football, NFL. There are some fans, I don't quite get this, that like love college football, can't stand the NFL. Now, look, if you like football, I I understand that you're going to have a preference Some like the NFL more than college. A lot that I know like college even more than the NFL. But I don't get, I love college football. I hate the NFL. It's the same sport. They're even better players. The reason why I was thinking about this, I was on the USF Bulls broadcast for two years. And I loved it. We did the pregame, we did the halftime report, we did the postgame, 
I love being at the games. I love going to some of the practices. I really enjoyed that. It was a couple of years ago. And I was covering the Bucks this week, and then I saw that they were the USF Bulls. They play in the AAC. So it's no, it's not the SEC, which is getting bigger and stronger. And the Big Ten. and But, you know, the A, not the AAC. No, not the ACC, the AAC. But you've had some decent football, that you know, and Cincinnati's been good. And, of course, UCF, Orlando has been good. And you've had a couple others. But uh, it's still, it's college football. And I saw the press release that they were going to have their kickoff luncheon in downtown. I'm looking at the time, and I'm like, all right, you know what? I can go to the uh, Bucks practice, and they practice early, and then I'll head over. I'll go downtown. I'm already in Tampa. I'll go downtown. It's at the beautiful JW Marriott. You should see downtown Tampa now. Holy mackerel. Glass now from the Rays was mentioning on the area and channel side on how many young people live down there. It is happening. I remember for years there would be guys that I would know and leaders and they were trying to like build up Tampa and everything closed down at night. It really was ghost town. Well, it is not that way anymore. The amount of the the beautiful condos, it's like that Water Street project. You can work and live and play at the same time. The Riverwalk, it's unbelievable. St. Pete had been exploding as well. And a lot of young people moving there. That's what I don't understand. You do have, like over these last couple of years, you've got a lot of people that have moved to downtown St. Pete. They've got high-rise sky, you know, skyscrapers, man. And, and they still don't go to baseball. It is what it is. But anyway, anyway, let me get back to the JW Marriott. What a beautiful hotel. It's right across from the Marriott Waterside and right next to the Amelie Arena where the Tampa Bay Lightning play and they have a lot of concerts. And this JW Marriott is gorgeous. Gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous. The Toronto uh, Raptors practiced and stayed there this preseason for the NBA because you remember the Canada, the border was closed and because of COVID and all that jazz. So, because I went down there when it first opened, I'm, I'm seeing these tall dudes and with these nice cars in a parking lot. I'm like, wow, these guys stay here, man. But they're proud. I know they're practicing there. So anyway, they were having the kickoff luncheon. And when I got there, there's just something about the pageantry of college football. I think it's because you can hear the band, like the band was even at this luncheon. The band, the cheerleaders, the just the vibe. And it was kind of cool. They had the players, they were still they were dressed up in their uniforms, and then they were sitting at tables with these fans and sponsors. And there were several hundred. It was a it was a decent turnout. Now it's not your LSU, it's not your Ohio State, you know, I it's not your Alabama. You know, I know that. But there really is something about it. And so I like both. It's different. You know, Saturdays are different than Sundays. And I think, too, it's where you grew up. What it, That is a big factor. Like, I grew up in the Northeast, New Jersey. It was pro sports up there. Rutgers was not good. It really wasn't until Shiano came to give that program some recognition. I produced the Rutgers show for years. And I used to even say in some of my voice track, you know, we're going to the big time. And then, oh, we are big time. No, you're not. 
No, you're not. But it was all pro teams up there. The Boston, similar pro teams. Yeah, there's Boston College and you got the Ivy League schools, but you go to Alabama, <laughs> it ain't pros. It's Alabama or Auburn. It's roll tide. It roll tide, Paul. And uh, so it's just, you know, what do you prefer? There are some that I know that just love college football and are okay with the NFL, but I don't get liking, loving college football and hating the NFL. And you can't use the kneeling anymore as, you know, the reason. So it's kind of cool. I heard the band playing, the balloons, the pageantry, and it was it, it brought me back again. I'm like, wow. We are just about ready for football, and it is just about here. All right, so this is the Rock Stops here. I, you know, and I appreciate your support and continue to support, and we'll see who we have next week. All right? Hang in there. Hang in there, man. You know, be, be, be vigilant. Be, be, be careful. Uh, oh, one more thing. One, one more thing. It's really, really cool. Sometimes things happen in in, uh, spurts. A guy I used to work with at Bright House, uh, his name is Jason, and he works at a production company. And it's right down the road from where I live. And sometimes these big operations behind closed doors, you 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 never know what's behind the door. It's in a whole hum uh, industrial complex with some offices. And when I got in there, so anyway, he just on Facebook messenger, here's where social media was good. He goes, Hey rock. haven't talked to you in a long time. I'm following your stuff. I got a gig for you. We are, we're going to do this spoof tape, blah, blah, blah. It's a paid gig. Uh, it's a neat, you know, I just think you'd be perfect. Boom. Jason, I'm in. Tell me when. So I made it work. It was a day where I had to do the Bucks Titans joint practice real early. Got there, sweated my ass off. Boom, 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 boom. Got my stuff. Boom, 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 boom. Got a couple interviews for my other podcast. Boom, boom. Out the door. Boom, back. Boom, shower. Boom. Hundred and some degrees. And I haven't put on a suit here in a while a full suit in this heat. I wore, I, I wore a suit to, for 25 years, man, to work every day. I would always change my dress shirt and my, my, uh, and put on like a, like a, just a regular shirt. And then I go back on the air again in the evening. I'd go back and put on my shirt. I wouldn't wear a full shirt and tie every day, all day for eight hours, but I just hadn't put it on. And it's so hot in the summer. And I put on my white shirt and I, I tried to, I was sweating. It was like wet. I'm like, I got to take this off. I'll put it on when I get in this uh, production house, this place. And so I did. And part of me was like, all right, I, you know, I haven't read off a teleprompter in a little while, you know, or whatever. And, uh, and got in there and I had to put on makeup that I don't miss. Uh, you got to for the lighting and cameras are so fine tuned. You, you have to. Or you, the, every, the, you can't get away without it. When I do these things on my phone outside, I don't put any makeup on. But I mean, when you're here at a production, they're paying you. You want to look good. And they were really nice. And they told me I nailed it. And I didn't even have to do a second take. We did a couple different takes, different angles, things like that. 
and then uh, do something very creative, like trying to be funny. Uh, who wrote this kind of stuff? And blah, blah, blah. It was fun. But my point is, I felt really good because when you haven't done something in a while, you're like, hmm, am I going to be a little rusty? Can I do this thing anymore? Have I lost it? You know? <laughs> it's just like when uh, I, I didn't fill in at all this year. He didn't take off any time. But I am the fill-in host uh, at the hockey, NHL Tampa Bay Lighting hockey games in arena. And I had on TV for so many years, at nightly, live, but still it's in a studio. There's maybe one person in the studio, and there was never a uh, studio floor person all the years I was at Bainers Nine, so there was nobody there. You controlled your teleprompter yourself, and there's now I, you're talking to a camera, just like now I'm talking to a microphone. When you're in radio, you're talking to a microphone. Usually there's nobody in the studio. So to go to an arena and, and look out, I remember the first time that I did it, and I hadn't been doing TV Oh, a short time, maybe, you know, a couple of months. And, you know, I put my suit on, blah, blah, blah. But there's something about, I love live. There's something, I love live. And I went out there and they're getting ready and I can hear the music playing and they're going to come to me. And I know my, my voice is going to boom out over Emily Arena. And I was getting nervous. I was nervous. And I was actually could feel like, <sighs> just take another deep breath, man. Okay. You know, you got to do a fast paced. Everything is timing. The director there, his name is John. He does a tremendous job, but he's yelling in the ear. You're all on the same like frequency for your IFB. Like he might be, no, no, not that shot. No, no, go over there. Hey, how come you didn't have that while I'm talking? And you can't turn them down because sometimes it'd be like, speed it up. No, drop that. Drop that story. All right, we're running light. We're right and running, running heavy. That's why he picked me because I've been on doing live TV with somebody in my ear for all these years, but it was, I was nervous, man. I was sweating and, uh, finished it and boom. And when, at that time I looked out and when you do your first hit, that's what they called a hit. There was only maybe 7,000 people in the stands because it's early. It's your first, it's pre pregame. And then after I did the next one, they're getting ready to start like, and I finished and I looked out and I'm like, holy shit, like there's 19,000 people here. Like there's not an empty seat. Like you're, you can't, and you're on the big board, like, and you're live and they're telling you on the fly to drop this or speed it up or, you know, and uh, it's, uh, it's a good feeling when you walk out of there like, wow, whew, I did it. I like, I nailed it. You know, so it's kind of cool to get that. It isn't at the time when you're nervous. You're getting a little butter when you're really nervous. And for this thing, it was no big thing. But it was like, I walked down like, oh, that was great, man. That was fun. Everybody was nice. And I can still do it. Thank God. Thank you, God. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you for listening here. This has been another edition of The Rock Stops Here. I'm Jerry Petuck, CEO of Radio Influence. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thank you for downloading and subscribing to this podcast. There are a lot of people behind the scenes here at Radio Influence that work hard to keep you entertained day in and day out. If you'd like to get involved and advertise on this program, or you have some show ideas that you'd like to see us add to the Radio Influence family, please email us at contact at radioinfluence.com. 
We all have crazy schedules, so the fact that you took time out of your busy day to let us entertain you for a while means a lot. Without you, the listeners, we wouldn't exist. So thank you again for downloading and subscribing to this show. Don't forget to check out RadioInfluence.com to see what other shows we also have to offer. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, RadioInfluence.com. 